This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And Annie, do you have a do you have a question for us all today? I do. It's a very important question. Okay. What color is your phlegm? Um uh what I cl- clearish? Oh. Is that bad? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but next time you see your phlegm, maybe maybe take note of the color. Um, today we're talking about something I honestly, when I started the research, had no idea what it was, and it was fascinating. And that is humors, humoral theory. Humoral theory. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned it a couple of times, um, and I'm going to say right at the outset here, you're going to think. As we go, as we start delving into this, this has nothing to do with food because that's what I thought. <laughs> but it does. We will get to the food. There's a lot of non-food stuff that we have to cover first, but yeah. we will get how to how it relates to food. Yeah, and we wanted to do the episode because when you research the history of foods that have been around since at least the Middle Ages, uh, especially if Europeans had anything to do with those foods, you are bound to run into humoral theory in the discussion about them. Uh, yeah, we, we we talked about it a little bit in aspic, and <laughs> I think I meant to get into humors in cinnamon, but got super overwhelmed and didn't. It's really fascinating, and the basis for a surprising amount of thought about like how humans work that persists even today. Yeah. So, 
Humors. Humors. What is it? What is it? Well, it was kind of like the first personality test. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the four humors, or the four temperaments, uh, was a theory largely accepted by the ancient Greeks and Romans, and it really was kind of like a personality test. Those humors said a lot about your character, your strengths, your weaknesses. Uh, physical and mental, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was believed essentially without question, up through the Middle Ages in the West and persisted until modern science came around in, like, the past couple centuries. Yeah. Um, It also spread east through India and into Southeast Asia, and there are a couple independently created humoral-related theories as well, such as in uh, traditional Chinese medicine and some Native American medicines, though largely we're going to be talking about, like, medieval through modern Western concepts today. Yes. They were the big humorist. Yes. They took it so seriously. They were not humorous about it at all. (laughs) They were quite serious. Mm. Uh, Though the medicinal aspect of the four humors has been debunked, mostly by the scientific community, (laughs) they're still used as a basis for several modern personality tests like Myers-Briggs. And some people still follow, some people still kind of believe in it. Yes. We will reference some of that later. (laughs) Um, And yes, humor does not refer to your comedic sensibilities. Oh, no. (laughs) No. Or for some reason, doesn't Shakespeare have something to do with this? I saw something about Shakespeare. I always think of like the three witches from Macbeth, but there's four humors and they're just telling jokes in your ear. I'm pretty sure that was a thing at some point somewhere. Okay. (laughs) Perhaps in just my dreams. I believe you. Okay. Thank you, Lauren. (laughs) Um, no, they're the humors of medicine, bodily fluids, from the Latin word humor, meaning liquid or fluid. So it's blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile specifically. These humors were tied to the four elements and were seen as sort of their metabolic manifestation. So you've got blood representing air, phlegm representing water, yellow bile representing fire, and black bile representing earth. And this was all based in the idea that the human body is like a microcosm of the universe. Every person is like the universe. Uh, Uh, Or or the heavens and earth, as folks probably would have been more likely to say. Um, You know, like, we're each made up of the same elemental stuff as the universe, and that to maintain good health, we've got to maintain a balance of that stuff. mm -hmm. And since we obviously don't contain, like, literal fire or, or rocks unless something very serious has gone wrong. Or you're a mutant from the X-Men, perhaps. True enough. Uh-huh. Good point. Um, the, the, the humors, yes, are, are the representation or manifestation of those elements in our bodies. Right. And each of these humors was associated with a personality type, a season, and a combination of hotness, coldness, wetness, and dryness. Okay. So I have, like, the basic breakdowns of all of these. Yeah. Plus, if you want to associate it with a lot of things that we still use today— I have the equivalent to those things, which will make more sense once I go into it. So here we go. Okay. Um, So blood was the sanguine humor. (laughs) Personality-wise, this is your happy-go-lucky type, the social butterfly, charismatic, optimistic, flighty, frivolous, impulsive, a tad disorganized perhaps. It's tied to the human liver and the month of spring, hot and moist. This is the inspired influencer of the Myers-Briggs test, ENF, personality types, the optimist or the realist, the planet is Jupiter, Western Zodiac Gemini, Libra, Aquarius, personality blood type B. And I didn't know this was a thing, but apparently it is. Horsemen of the Apocalypse, Conquest, or Pestilence. 
I, I've never had anyone ask me. What horsemen of the apocalypse what? are you? No. I'm kind of bummed because this is the one I got when I took the witch humor are you fast. <laughs> and I'm sure pestilence and conquest is fine, but I wanted like death. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know what that says about me. Oh, well, I, I mean, the rest of it's nice, though. That, and that describes you pretty well. It does, but there's one I think describes me better towards the end. Uh, I'll, I'll point it out when we get there. Perfect. The second is phlegm. Phlegm was the phlegmatic humor. Uh, phlegmatic people are stable, relaxed, quiet, consistent, loyal, kind, shy, but they can be passive-aggressive and or lazy. Oh. Yeah. Associated with the lungs and brain and the, the season of winter, cool and moist. This is the stable supporter of Myers-Briggs, personality types E and F, the optimist, are they apathetic? The planet, or in this case's satellite, is the moon. <laughs> the Western Zodiac associated with uh, Cancer, Scorpio, Pisces. And the horseman of the apocalypse is death. <laughs> yeah. So cool. It's cooler than pestilence. I can't help it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, pe- pestilence is great. Come on. Mm, okay. I'll, I'll think about it. You've got black bile. That was the melancholic humor. Melancholic people were thought to be reserved, quiet, thoughtful, serious, intense, moody, introspective, sensitive, brooding, perfectionist, careful in weighing options. Black bile was linked to autumn and the gallbladder, cool and dry. And this sounds to me like the romantic interest in almost all young adult fiction. Oh, 20,000%. That's right. Certainly all of the vampire characters. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) This is the contemplating conscience of Myers-Briggs, the IT personality types, the cynic or the realist. The planet is Saturn. Western Zodiac is Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn, blood type A, and the horseman of the apocalypse is famine. I got to look more into that later. I really do. Yellow bile was the choleric humor. This denoted a leadership personality, high energy, ambitious, dominant, confident, passionate, perhaps a little overbearing, easy to anger, generally, but not always an extrovert. It's associated with the spleen and summer, which makes sense with the fire element, hot and dry. This is the dominant driver of Myers-Briggs personality types E and T, the cynic and apathetic. The planet is Mars, Western Zodiac is Aries, Leo, Sagittarius, Blood type O, Horseman of the Apocalypse, War. Is this the one that you think fits you better? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, you took like an online test, right? It wasn't like... I, yeah, I didn't do the professional. I didn't do a real thing. It was like, which humor are you in the fondest comic sans? So I don't think that... <laughs> it was super rigorous. Uh, I mean, I think I'm a combination of both. That's Sure. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, do do what you want. And that's a that's a good horseman to be. <laughs> War. War. Sure. I gotta consider my life choices. <laughs> um and according to this theory, to be a healthy person, you wanted a balance of these humors. And the proper balance was highly individualized. And this was called your constitution. Right. And your age and sex also figured into this. Uh ladies were thought to be colder and moister <laughs> than dudes. I'm going to say the word moist so much over the course of this podcast, and I'm pretty upset about it. Um, And and, uh, young people were thought to be hotter and moister than older people. Okay. Just stuff to watch out for. Yeah, moistness. 
An <laughs> imbalance caused illness or disease. Too much blood led to a fever. Too much black bile led to depression. Too much yellow bile led to a cough. And too much phlegm led to a cold, among other things. But those are, like, examples. Um, if this imbalance stuck around, it led to certain behaviors or personality types. A common treatment for an imbalance was bloodletting. If you had too much of a certain type of humor, this was the go-to way to balance it out. Also, as a very early version of the detox, you'd get a bloodletting once a season to maintain the balance. We're just shrugging at each other wordlessly. Yeah, I'm just shaking my head. I This is making for really great radio, but sure, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that could cause an imbalance was food. Your diet. Here we arrive to the food of food stuff of this episode. <laughs> um, diet could also be a part of balancing your humors. And this was really the primary way for like several centuries that physicians would deal with patients. They'd recommend specific foods to keep your humors in balance. And like I said, it was taken very seriously. If if you ate foods against a physician's recommendation, it was considered like a rejection of professional help. Oh, whoa. Uh, this was actually used as a defense in allegations of malpractice. Uh, there's a record of, of a leech in, in York, England in the 1400s, um, leech being a type of doctor mm -hmm. uh, who used leeches. Anyway, um, yeah. uh, he, was, he was denying negligence of a patient because the patient ate unwholesome foods against advice. And he said this not only nullified his medication's effects, but actually caused the medication to be expelled from the patient's body. Whoa. <laughs> I bet a lot of doctors wish they could... Use this defense to this day. I told you, healthy. <laughs> I told you to put down the burgers, man. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Um, and we're we're gonna talk all about the diet, the humors, and more. But first, we're gonna take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Mm Mm-hmm. The idea of the four humors was first proposed by ancient Greek physician Hippocrates sometime around 460 to 370 BCE, though eventually somewhat modified versions were adopted by Western Europe and Islamic cultures. Galen later elaborated upon it in the 2nd century CE. Islamic scholars expounded even further in 9th century CE, and then European writers expounded upon that even more in 11th century CE. Despite two prominent novels criticizing humoral theory, 1543 CE's De Humanis Corporis Fabrica and 1628 CE's De Cortis, humorism stuck around until the medical developments of the 19th century. People were like, nope, this is right. This is definitely what it, I, what it is. I'm hot and moist and you can't tell me any different. <laughs> part, part of the reason it probably stuck around so, so long was that there was huge like like idolization of of Hippocrates and Galen throughout throughout for just forever like that throughout pe- yeah. yeah people were just like nope this is what's up they knew what was up they're smartest best people let's listen to them mm-hmm. don't tell me otherwise right yeah until we were like oh oh there's microorganisms huh. oh wait a minute <laughs> perhaps we should reexamine this yes speaking of microorganisms let's talk Digestion. Ooh, digestion. Yay! Yay. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, okay. (laughs) According to humorism, there were four digestions. First, in your gastrointestinal tract. This process produces chyle and human waste. Then you get the second digestion in the liver, and this is where the four humors are produced. The third digestion takes place in the blood vessels, and it is what feeds your organs. The fourth digestion happens in human tissues. I feel like I should be in front of a whiteboard, like, pointing at things right yes. now. <laughs> and I, I want to note here that this is a fascinatingly accurate depiction of how digestion works. If, if you take away the, the clearly humors. The, the humors part, yeah. Like, like, they were working on stuff. It's kind of impressive. I know. Mm-hmm. Unpacking the humor production part, blood is the first and most produced— and receives the best nutrients, therefore. Then comes phlegm, it's the second most plentiful, and gets the second best nutrients. The pattern continues with yellow bile third and black bile fourth. Overeating was discouraged because it was thought that you would disrupt this digestive process and and thus lead to the overproduction of one or another of the humors. And that dreaded imbalance. Mm-hmm. And that whole hot, cold, wet, dry thing, um, every humor was either hot or cold, and wet or dry. This is where the humors and diet start coming together. When it comes to humors and balancing them, our wet in your diet might be causing the imbalance. Ancient physicians first looked at the heating and cooling nature of foods. Not a temperature thing, but more of a metabolism thing, what they thought it was doing to your body. Right. Hot foods stimulate the metabolism. Cold ones slow it down. Um, heating foods include things like garlic, horseradish, ginger, eggs, chicken, wheat, walnuts, lemon, apples, olives, and aged cheeses. Cooling foods, on the other hand, were things like milk, yogurt, 
mint, tropical fruit, cucumber, fish, melons, and fresh cheeses. And this is from a kind of modern-ish um, Greek medicinal book. So it's been updated. <laughs> uh, yeah, some people still still talking about the Greek Greek medicine and humorism. So uh, that's why some of these foods might sound D- dangerously modern. Dangerously so. <laughs> Um, Second, physicians would look at dry foods versus wet foods, which pretty much does mean dry and wet. Dry foods were things like beans, asparagus, pomegranate, salt. Wet foods were bananas, avocados, yogurt, fresh cheese, fish. Furthermore, foods were thought to have degrees of wetness, dryness, heat, and cold, like three or four degrees of how intensely hot or whatever something was. A lettuce, for example, was considered cool and moist in the third degree. Serious stuff. That sounds like that lettuce needs to go to jail. (laughs) I don't know what it's been up to. (laughs) Chamomile, on the other hand, was hot and dry in the first degree, a a mild Medication, mm-hmm. okay? okay? And different combinations of things might be used to achieve the, the right strength of a therapy. This really is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that foods were prepared and served also mattered. Raw fruits and herbs were considered colder than cooked ones. Beef would generally be considered a hot, wet food. But if it's served chilled, that skews it away from hot. Or if you salt it, that'll balance it out towards dry. If a cook takes pains to dry out a fish, it might not affect you so wetly. <laughs> I don't want to be wetly affected. <laughs> You'll get phlegmy. It'll be terrible. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't want to get phlegmy. Nothing, I, anything but phlegmy. Keeps reminding me of uh, Half-Blood Prince. Oh. I think it's the second chapter of the Half-Blood Prince. A Touch of Phlegm. Oh. <laughs> it's about Bill's fiance, Fleur de la Cour. Anyway. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> Deep cut. <laughs> I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Oh I've won some trivia contests in my day. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just st- st- stuff like that. You know, like if you um, if you prepare gelatin, which is cold and dry, along with hot conditioned foods, um, or if you serve, if you serve it with, with aged wine, then that balances it out. It's a math problem, man. It is. It's a balancing act. Mm-hmm. On top of this, each humor has foods that it is sensitive to. Or like in coordination with this because exactly. of, right, because of what the humors are doing right, and what the foods are doing. It's all working together. Mm-hmm. Phlegm is aggravated by milk, fresh cheese, wheat, and cold foods. Yellow bile doesn't get along with salt, alcohol, vinegar, overly sour foods, hot spices, red meat, and those aged cheeses. Mm. Black bile doesn't like beans, nuts, tomatoes. Blood isn't really picky, but everything in moderation. Although, according to one thing I read, I should be avoiding sugar, butter, basil, butter again, <laughs> lamb, and peacock. Oh, no. Those are all the foods you eat every day. That's my lunch. Nothing but peacock. <laughs> Nothing but peacock and lamb for days. <laughs> what will I do? Now, the, the butter and basil thing, is that's a, that's a bummer. That is. I actually really do enjoy fresh basil. That's one of my favorite summertime things. Oh, absolutely. Mm. And, uh, okay, we've got more for you about how all of this theory was put into practice. But first, we're going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... By the Middle Ages, humoral theory was just intensely codified. If folks that were working with it had had, like, Excel spreadsheets, I think they'd have been so jazzed because, <laughs> because like, a good doctor wouldn't just evaluate your, your ailment. They'd also take into consideration your, your, temper, your temperament, uh, including your age, sex, lineage, horoscope, and living conditions. Like, is your house by a river that makes you wetter? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Sure. I mean, clearly. Obviously. Um, you know, plus they're going to take into consideration the season, the weather, and the current astrological conditions. Each organ in the body was furthermore thought to have its own temperament. Uh, like the brain was cold and moist, uh, the heart hot and sort of dry. Uh-huh. Mid, mid dry. Uh, <laughs> and there were just all of these charts and matrices of foods and their humoral properties under different conditions and how they could be used as treatments. It really was a math problem. Yeah. This is prime spreadsheet territory for oh, sure. Yeah. And like, okay, mostly all of this led to pretty solid preventative medical advice, like eating a balanced diet, incorporating different foods when possible. Keeping hydrated, avoiding too much rich food, and uh, not overindulging in in any food or or alcohol. Yeah. But some of it was so ridiculous. (laughs) Let's say a surgeon had two people come in with nearly identical wounds on their arms. If one patient—I'm not sure how they got them, but let's say that this happens. Okay. I'm on board. if, if, If one patient was sanguine and the other was melancholic, the recommendation— was not only to give the patients different advice about recovery, like 
like Sanguine Guy, strict diet and bloodletting to reduce your bloodiness and to keep your temperature down. Melancholic Guy, you eat hot foods like meat and wine to increase your blood and keep your temperature up. (laughs) They would actually dress the wounds differently. What? Based on how moist or dry they thought the skin was going to be based on the person's temperament. Okay. Sure. Or for another example, uh, let's say you're having a problem with your gastrointestinal tract. Like maybe you're just really gassy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's an overbalance of phlegm. Of course. All right. Phlegm is the cold and wet humor, remember. So whatever you do, if you're gassy, don't eat fish. Okay. Because that's also cold and wet and it will make you worse. (laughs) It makes so much sense in a nonsensical way. (laughs) This fish is cold and wet. I need none of that. None of that. (laughs) It'll only make my gas problem worse. (laughs) Uh, However, it's not... It's not all ridiculous. Like, okay, the the advice for treating uh, a gassy condition wasn't just to avoid fish. It was to balance your humors back out by eating foods with uh, moderately warm, dry qualities like like dill or or rooster meat. And when you look at that, like dill relieves gas in your your guts um, or it can. What do you uh, know? And poultry, you know, is nutritious and easy to, to, to digest. So if you're having digestive problems, then that might be soothing. Mm-hmm. So some of the prescriptions that came out of this were solid. Huh. And what I find really interesting about all of it is that, like, no one is really sure whether physicians and scholars defined certain foods and, and certain conditions as hot and cold and wet and dry after observing practical effects in patients. Sure, yeah. Uh, like, like, how much of humoral theory was based on empirical evidence and just written to sort of explain away the bits that folks didn't have the technology to understand? And But how many of those definitions were just based on whatever the prevailing, like, poetical or superstitious ideas were at the time? No one knows. That's fascinating. Mysteries of history. Mysteries of history. <laughs> well... Yeah, that's <laughs> very – this was a very fun one to go into blind, I will say that. <laughs> uh, I was reading it. The look on my face was pure shock. I could really keep reading about it. I am um, – oh, uh, and, I, and I, wanted, I wanted to give a shout-out to A, a book, but B, Ben Bolin for giving me the book. Uh, our, our colleague Ben Bolin um, of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know and Ridiculous History, for example, um, does kind of like a Hobbit birthday sort of thing yeah. where he tends to give other people gifts on his birthday. And frequently, for, for me anyway, they're, they're, they're books. Me too. And, um, and he gave me this one a few years back called Medicine and Society in Later Medieval England by one Carol Rawcliffe, which is a great name. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it's all, oh, it's yeah. great. <laughs> a lot of my specific examples were from that. So thanks to both of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, Lorda and I kept, kept having a little mini giggling fits going through this one. I, I'm very immature and I, it was very <laughs> sexual for me. Just the terminology. Um, just. It's been fun. <laughs> fun has been had doing the research on this, but I hope it made sense because honestly, I feel like we need to post a chart somewhere. Oh yeah. Oh well, yeah. We could do that. Yeah. Let's let's do some some 
chart posting. Maybe not some spreadsheeting. Uh, No, I don't need to. No. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole. No. No. (laughs) But yeah, uh, that's that's humors. And it brings us to listener mail. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for humoring us. Uh, (laughs) It had to be done. It did. It had to. Mark wrote us a sonnet. What? <laughs> All right. What is it? Asks these delightful etymologists, dogged researchers, champions of bacteria poop. Decidedly not your typical hipster apologist, sharing social memes from their porch stoops. Longtime listeners recall their first podcast promotion, Lauren <laughs> popping her teas while Annie titters. Foodstuff has shared so much since that commotion. Cocktail hours, fictional foods, and yes, a few first-season jitters. <laughs> you fearlessly took on the GMO opponents, and while we await your take on organic, Wednesday and Friday are the week's best components, while Josh, Chuck, and Jonathan begin to panic. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. They are panicking. Dang, yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't want those food stuff, those mean food stuff ladies coming after them. No. They'll be like, have some of our bourbon. <laughs> They run. They turn tail and run. (laughs) We are the worst like that. We are. You've got to try this. (laughs) You don't want to try this? I think we're fun. Yeah, my brain was like, hmm. (laughs) Thank thank you for a sonnet. Yeah. Um, This is not a sonnet, but equally cool. Alexandra wrote... I was incredibly lucky to discover your podcast when it first came out and have been listening to each episode with a dorky grin on my face during my New York City sardine commute. So thanks for making it more bearable. You're welcome. While I often want to write in about episodes that I enjoyed, e.g. the bagel episode, I'm with Lauren on this one, thank you. (laughs) The episode on Three Meals Day really spoke to me for a unique reason. I'm recovering from an eating disorder. Anyone who's gone through or is still going through one will tell you that your relationship with food, something you probably once loved, will forever change. And even after you heal, you'll most likely always have to be conscious of your eating and will have to use certain skills to do this. One of these skills I learned while working with nutritionists is to listen to my body and to be aware of what I need, essentially to eat when I'm hungry and to stop when I'm full. It may sound simple to some, but for me, that took years. I found that only eating when I was supposed to made me so hungry that I'd end up eating too much before my satiety kicked in. Eating three times a day makes sense because of the typical nine to five. You're just eating when you have the time, not when you really need to. And when you wait so long, a lot of things change in your body, like blood sugar levels and metabolism, which, to put it bluntly, Fs you up. Now I eat about four to five small meals a day. That usually means something around 6.30 when I wake up, again at 10.30, then another meal at 2.30, and so on. And while this may not be the right thing for everyone, it certainly is for me. I eat to give myself energy, to be alert, and to be healthy and happy. I hope that if this letter makes it to listeners, it may help someone else out there struggling to understand their relationship with food. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for for writing in about that. It's as much as we get to talk about uh, so many fun things about food, it is, I, I mean, eating disorders are, are a huge part of society, unfortunately, and especially as uh, we all work through body image and, and that whole mess. Right. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a struggle for a lot of people. And so, yeah, it's, I'm so glad to hear, uh, Alexandra, that you are personally doing better. And I hope that, yeah, y'all, 
I hope that y'all are taking care of yourselves. Yes. Um, and we're definitely going to touch on this probably in multiple episodes, but certainly we're going to devote at least one to eating disorders. And, oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's something that both Annie and I have struggled with at various times in the past. And so it's it's not only like, of course, something that's important, but it's also personal to us. Exactly. And it's one of those things that um, we're so passionate about food and we want everyone who listens to have that healthy and happy relationship. We want everyone to have it, but especially listeners. Oh, yeah. Because we're talking about it. Yeah. And, yeah. Hopefully we can all, we can get there together if you're struggling. Um, there are resources out there and we're, yeah. Absolutely. We're going to come back. to it. Yes. Thank hey. you. Thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write in, you can. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw and on Instagram at foodstuff. We hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan, who is not currently eating Cheetos with chopsticks, but it's something that he does that brings delight to the entire office and keeps his fingers clean. It's it's very wise, as is Dylan. <laughs> as is Dylan. Mm-hmm. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.